0: Today is Tuesday, December the 5th, 2023, and this is a Daily Inc. update. The quiet invasion of the United States at the U.S. Mexico border continues with very little coverage from the mainstream media. Border Patrol in the Tucson, Arizona sector reported that 17,000 illegal immigrants crossed over into the U.S. last week, making it the highest weekly total recorded for that sector. This, of course, does not include those who got away without detection by any reporting authority. Border Patrol also saw hundreds of Chinese military aged males cross over in Yakima Hot Springs, California this past Monday. The National Border Patrol Council President Brandon Judd spoke about the whole issue on Fox News.
1: These numbers are astronomical. We're apprehending more than seven, uh, seven times what we should be at, at any given day. Yesterday is the first day in my 26-year time of being with the National Border Patrol Council that I've, I, I didn't see one gotaway um, recorded by by the Border Patrol, and that's simply because we don't have the resources in the field to detect these people. We're we're constantly stuck in processing. We're doing administrative duties rather than enforcement duties. So yesterday, we didn't even record one gotaway, um, which is which should be concerning to everybody. When you look at the numbers, we are way above anywhere where, where we should be. But the problem is, is that this administration, because they continue to ignore it, they're setting a new norm. Our norm should be 1,000 apprehensions a day. We're at 7,000 apprehensions, and, and that's what the new norm has now become. And that should be scary to everybody because we just don't have any border patrol agents that are in the field patrolling the border doing what we should be to protect the american citizens and that's what allows the drugs to come in as well
0: Meanwhile, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton was able to secure an injunction this past Monday against the Biden administration and the Department of Homeland Security in order to keep both of those entities from destroying the wire fencing along the U.S.-Mexico border. A.G. Paxton appealed the case to the Fifth Circuit Court, which has now barred federal immigration officials from damaging or removing the razor wire that was placed there by the Texas National Guard and other Texas law enforcement officers. The chairman of the House Oversight Committee has released information on financial transactions involving the Biden family after subpoenas were issued for the bank records. Chairman James Comer says those financial documents show that Joe Biden received monthly transfers of money from Hunter Biden through the Owasco Corporation, which in turn received payments from a Chinese company that has links to the Chinese government. Payments to Joe through Owasco started in September of 2018 and continued onward. Comer also pointed out that these latest findings are in direct contradiction to statements made last month by Hunter Biden's attorneys ahead of the deposition that Hunter will be giving to House members this month. The statement was that there was not a single financial transaction between Joe Biden and his son related to Hunter Biden's business ventures or commercial dealings. The House Oversight Committee has documented 20 shell companies created while Joe Biden was vice president by members of the Biden family and the Biden family receiving at least $20 million from China, Russia, Kazakhstan, and other foreign oligarchs. The House Judiciary Committee is offering a revision of a surveillance program that has been abused by government agencies against Americans. The new committee proposal would require a search warrant for any Americans' information or data to be targeted under Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which is known as FISA. Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona is on the Judiciary Committee and says the idea behind the legislation is to protect Americans' rights under the Fourth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The Judiciary Committee is expected to vote on whether to pass that legislation out of committee this coming Wednesday. The U.S. Supreme Court will consider taking an appeals case regarding January 6th and the protests in the Capitol, which may affect the case being brought against Donald Trump by special counsel Jack Smith. The defendants in this appeals case are Joseph Fisher, Edward Lang and Garrett Miller. They seek to have the charges against them dismissed. They're all being accused of obstruction of official proceedings in Congress, which was the certification of electoral votes slated for Joe Biden. The court was already going to consider whether to take the case last Friday, but that had to be postponed due to the death of retired Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. Speaking of January 6th, InfoWars reporter Owen Schroyer is set to be released from prison this week following a 60-day prison sentence by a Washington, D.C. court. Schroyer never set foot inside the Capitol building, but instead warned those outside to not go in. Schroyer also spoke a lot about the 2020 election being stolen from Donald Trump, and for that, Schroyer was targeted and tried by the FBI. Schroyer ended up pleading guilty to a lesser misdemeanor charge of remaining on restricted grounds after a two-year legal battle with the FBI. Schroyer is being released earlier than planned. His sentence would have taken him up to Christmas Eve. And here are the words of another fighter for truth. A different type of fighting. Boxer Ryan Garcia had this to say after he knocked out opponent Oscar Duarte in the eighth round.
1: How'd you feel about your performance? Yeah, man, uh, it was a great performance. But, you know, I just uh, want to give honor to God, you know, give him the glory. Uh, man. You know fought hard to find myself again and you know i did a lot of soul searching i just wanted to thank him for showing me the truth of me as a person as a fighter and just in my relationships you know the the environments i was in i want to thank him i want that you know everybody in this arena to seek jesus christ and you'll find that too
0: These natural story updates have been brought to you by Open Inc., a website that is a repository of documents for those who like deep digging, critical thinking, and true journalism, where the facts speak for themselves. Up next, a preview of what is coming and what is available on the Open Inc. website. there's good news coming from an election and free speech case that's of critical importance. The Second Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled in favor of Douglas Mackey as he defends his right to make memes regarding elections. Mackey has been in a years long legal battle over a post that he made on social media that joked about a new way of texting in your vote if you're voting for Hillary Clinton. This was done back in 2016 and it was done in humor and with sarcasm. But the federal government and the FBI are absolutely humorless and hell-bent on punishing conservative Americans and have since charged Mackey with election disinformation once the Biden administration took over in 2021. Mackey was convicted by a lower court and now faces 10 years in prison. However, the Second Circuit Court determined this past Monday to take the case and have deferred the prison time for Mackey as the appeal process continues forward. Mackey made a public statement on Twitter on Monday night saying that the appeals court overruled the district court, which means that the court felt he presented substantial and debatable issues of law that if resolved will be in his favor and his conviction could be vacated. It's also interesting that Mackey said that the prosecution argued before the Second Circuit Court that Mackey's case was a typical election crime and his appeal was frivolous. Remember, the man was posting a meme on social media that only the most ignorant of all voting methods out there would take seriously. And yet the prosecution was doing a disfavor for all other election crimes that are legitimate that are out there by lumping Mackey's case into the mix. Mackey's case is really more about free speech than anything. Mackey also says that if he should lose this appeals case before the Second Circuit Court, he will immediately take the case to the U.S. Supreme Court Mackey has created a give send go account for those who want to help him raise funds for his legal expenses. It is not a cheap endeavor. And here is the continuing discussion from yesterday's report about the assistant Capitol Police Chief in Washington, D.C., Yogananda Pittman. Pittman was in charge of the intelligence being gathered ahead of January 6th, which under normal circumstances, she would turn over to the police chief and to the Speaker of the House. But instead, she found absolutely nothing, not a shred of information or intelligence to share ahead of the January 6th events that were planned to occur outside of the Capitol building. And Pittman apparently found no signs that there were any plans to cause mayhem by those infiltrating the rally. Pittman has come to light recently as the January 6th narrative continues to get rendered false and deceptive through the recent release of raw video coverage by the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. This raw video coverage is creating a greater context that shows the millions of people showing up in Washington, D.C. were by and large peaceful and not out to commit some sort of coup d'etat in the Capitol building. There's also former Capitol Police Lieutenant Tarek Johnson, who released raw audio of the radio calls that he made on that day, including calls to Pittman for backup and some sort of response of which she never supplied. Investigative journalist Laura Logan from Truth in Media has also put out several reports about January 6th that include Ray Epps and the failure of the Capitol Police to do their jobs as a result of Pittman and others who withheld the necessary information. Here's what Logan had to say when she was recently on the Charlie Kirk show, which is covered by Real America's Voice.
2: So, Charlie, this is something really important for people to understand. The Capitol Police has a chief, Stephen Sund, and he has two deputies, okay? And one of those deputies is the chief of intelligence, Yogananda Pittman. But the other deputy, I believe his name is Chad Thomas, is in charge of operations. Well, for some inexplicable reason, on January 6th, when you've got somebody like Tariq Johnson, right, 23 years in the Capitol Police, his he's calling into his radio asking for direction and he's getting nothing back. And you know why? Because it wasn't the chief of operations who was sitting in the seat in the operations room. It was Yogananda Pittman who had no business being there because that's not her job and not her experience. And I said earlier, you know, this is somebody who barely spent five seconds on the beat. You know, if you'd had somebody like Carmen uh, Best, if you remember her, she was the chief of police in uh, in Portland, Seattle. If you'd had a cop like that, who's well-respected, who has an inc- extraordinary career, who would have known exactly what to do, then it would have been a different scenario. But they put someone there who either didn't know what to do, she certainly wasn't qualified for the position, and she certainly wasn't giving any instructions. So when you have that happening, right, you've now set further conditions for chaos because your police officers on the ground are not getting the direction they deserve. Then you compare that with some of the videos that have come out where you have black police officers, not one, not two, not three, but at least 10 that I know of saying we are being set up we have been set up. They know perfectly well this should not be happening, that should not be there, and so on and so on. You have police officers on the day who were set up. So if you're going to do an information warfare operation, what you're going to do is set up both sides because when one police officer sees another police officer under attack, what's going to happen? He's going to, re- he's going to escalate even though their job is to de-escalate. On the other side where you have protesters, when you see women being punched in the face or or hit in the face, when you are standing around innocently, you have no idea what is happening way up ahead. You have no idea that there are paid provocateurs in the crowd who are picking a fight with police. And out of nowhere, you're being hit with flashbangs and all kinds of munitions that cause real damage. And these are called less than lethal munitions. And they're called that for a reason. They're not called non-lethal, Charlie, because they become lethal when used in certain circumstances. So when you look at that West Tunnel where so much of the violence happened, when those munitions are used in that environment, which is a confined space where nobody can go, the police are pushing from one side, and there were people whose job was to push from the other side, to capture people in between. What they're doing is they're hoping that people get injured and they're hoping that people get killed because that feeds the narrative. So an information warfare operation has many different compartments, but most importantly, the ray Epses on the ground, you know, the officer Bagshaws is beaten living hell out of Victoria White. They're just foolish, foolish foot soldiers who are being used. Who's pulling the strings? Who's behind them commanding that operation and who's behind them ordering that operation? Those are the most powerful people in America. Those are the ones that want people like me silenced. Those are the ones that want people like you silenced. And for the record, I know that neither of us are suicidal.
0: Thanks for listening to this Daily Inc. update.